0: Uh, open your Bibles, just open them, because we're going to be all over the place in the Word of God today, because I want to talk about our life in the Word today. We've been in the middle of a message series entitled Growth Spurt, and uh, in that we've been uh, trying to consider ways that we ourselves can uh, jumpstart our spiritual lives so that we get back on a track of progress. 2020 stole a lot from us as individuals and as a church family, and uh, this is our effort to to claim it back, and step back into a relationship with God that is warm and growing and healthy. In doing so, we've been talking about this acronym, REFLECT. These are seven qualities that belong in every disciple's life. Now, a disciple is simply a person like you or me who follows Jesus to become like him. That's our goal, to become like Jesus. And these seven qualities reflect that nature of Christ that we want to see growing and multiplying in us. So we started out with our relationship. We talked about the importance of loving God and loving others. The next week we had E, evangelism. We talked about how healthy things grow and growing things multiply. Evangelism is our way of fulfilling Jesus's commission to us to make and multiply disciples. F, fruit of the Spirit, that was life. Last week, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And that isn't even the end of the list. The list goes on of what the Spirit will bear in our lives when we begin to walk in the Spirit. Today is L for listening. I want to change gears quite a bit in order to talk about this, this relationship of listening, which is our life in Christ. This is the central nerve. This is the main artery of your life in Jesus, and I want to call you to it. Just a couple of sentences to begin, and then we'll jump in. Read this with me. The mature believer listens to God in the Word and in prayer. The listening is characterized by deep, say it, delight, deep delight, and instant obedience. So we said a lot right there, but the point is we're listening to God. We need to hear his voice. He's always speaking to you, and you need to learn how to listen. It's a life of listening, primarily through the word and in prayer, which we're going to talk about uh, this morning in the message. But I want you to understand this life of listening is characterized by two things. The first is, is this deep delight. It's, it's delight. It's, it's enjoyment. It, 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 it is life to learn how to live your days in the Word of God. And I don't know how to describe this if you don't know what I'm talking about, the simple delight of being in the presence of God. Now, I, I, know, that, I know that some of you perhaps don't know what I'm talking about, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to make you feel odd, or I'm, I'm not in any way talking down to you. I, I want you to understand that this is uh, it is normal to know the presence of God and feel the presence of God, and it's something for you. You can know Him. You can enjoy His presence. When, when we stepped in this room and, and began singing this morning, that, that was my first awareness, just the Lord's presence in this room. I saw all of you as well. I knew that you were here, but I knew that He was here, and He's the reason that I'm here. And so I acknowledged that presence. I, I, I recognized, I, I welcomed him, and uh, just began to enjoy this presence in the room. Um, but, but honestly, I've I've known that presence all my life. And 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 again, I'm not bragging. I want you to understand that this is something that's normal. Uh, my, my parents here in the middle, Don and Diane Harris. Are, are just real disciples. They're genuine worshipers, and they raise me like that. So, you know, my dad, who's a, a work, he's a Baptist, so he do not go crazy, y'all, in worship or nothing, but, um, but it's real. It's real. And my mother, randomly, in the course of any day, could sit down at the piano and start just singing songs to Jesus with tears coming out of both of her eyes that was normal for me, just to live in the presence of God and to make your whole life worship. I lived in the country. I was a you know, redneck kid, no neighbors, no friends, cows. Um, we'd go to the barn. And in all those days of being alone, I never felt alone. I've just always known the sweetness of His presence. I've always just talked out loud to the Lord? I, I still do. I'm 55. I've, I've never known a moment when that presence wasn't with me, that His speaking voice wasn't calling out to me. I, I, again, this isn't boasting. I, I want you to know that what I'm describing is, is what Jesus wants with you for you. He's always been there. He's always been with you too. He's not one moment left you or forsaken you. And there's never a single moment of your life when you were not the object of his attention and affection. When we talk about the delight that comes from listening to him, understand, he delights in you first. He he delights in you. He, he, He loves you. And this relationship of delight and enjoyment, this just loving him and being loved by him, This is the Christian life, and and this is what we're growing in. And this is, as I said, the the central nerve of your spiritual life. If if this is cut, if this connection is severed, if if you... Don 't know his presence or can 't acknowledge his presence, or you don't recognize his voice, or you won 't listen to his voice. i 'm telling you, you, you will have no spiritual life. Everything important flows out of this life, this life of delight and listening that you live in Christ. Does it make sense? So let's look in the Word. The mature believer listens to God in the Word and in prayer. So let's start by just looking at what the Bible says about the Bible. How about that? And with that, start with me in the book of Joshua. Joshua, in the Old Testament, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Did I get that right? Did I miss any? Uh, Deuteronomy, Joshua. So find it in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 1. Let's start there. Joshua was kind of Moses' second man, Moses' assistant, but now Moses is dead, and that's Joshua's turn. Joshua now has to step up, lean in, and lead God's people. It must have been a terrifying thing. First off, who wants to follow Moses? He was Moses. You know, like the whole Ten Commandments movie starring Moses, and now you're going to follow Moses? You know, this is Joshua's role. He's going to step up and lead God's people after they have been led by Moses. On top of that, it is now time to lead God's people into the promised land, and that means there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight for the promised land, and the first fight's going to be at Jericho, the walled city of Jericho. This is Joshua. This is before all of that. This is how God prepares Joshua for what comes next. God always prepares you where you are for what comes next. But if you're not listening, if you're not in the word, and if you're not able to know his voice, you're continually going from one season to the next unprepared. You don't know what God meant for you to know because you don't know how to listen. But Joshua listens, and this is what the Lord says. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Listen to the words about the word. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Not good? I love that. I love that. Joshua getting ready for battle. And and this is his his battle speech. This is the pregame where God is helping Joshua understand where his strength comes from, where his courage comes from, and where his victory will be found. All of this in the Lord. But notice this incredible emphasis on the Word of God, on the book of the law. Notice what it says. You must study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. All right, it sounds to me like you just got a full-time job. That's a a full-time job. Like, for example, when it says study this book continually, continually, interestingly enough, it means continually continually. Like, you just start, and then you continue. And then you continue continuing. Continually. On top of that, it says meditate on it day and night. Now, you can pretty much divide every one of all of your days in two categories, day and night. And if you take all of the hours that are comprised in that category we call day and then you take the other hours that are sort of taken up in the category we call night, there are no hours left. It's all day or night. So you now have a full-time job to study this book continually and meditate on it day and night. What exactly is God asking you to do? I mean, not seriously. Because as I said, I know you got... A full time job on top of this full time job. And for that matter, Joshua is gonna have to eventually stop reading and go fight the actual battle. Understand? God's got work for Joshua to do. You cannot just stand around and read all the time. So, one way or the other, that's not what you're being told. It's not that now you just have to study all the time. What are we talking about? What's it mean to read the Bible faithfully? What does God want you to do? What's the purpose of the Bible? Well, I can tell you one thing. Very few of you are ever going to be summoned to appear on Bible Jeopardy. So it's not about that. It's not about just reading the Bible so that you understand that in the Old Testament, you know who the son of Jephuna was. See, that's the way a lot of people do. They, they imagine that the Bible is this book full of facts and that they must somehow transfer all of those facts into their heads so that they're really Bible smart. Okay. Can I just sort of ease your minds that that's not what we're after? It's not really about you mastering information. It's not what it's about at all. As a matter of fact, here in Woodburn Baptist Church Sunday School, we don't offer any graduate degrees. You can't get a PhD in Sunday school, for example. So it's not about information. It's not about reading the Bible and mastering the content, getting information. It's not about information at all. It's about transformation. It's transformation. The Word of God is about transformation. That's why there's this incredible emphasis here in what God is saying to Joshua, that it's not just that you're going to read continually and meditate day and night. You're going to obey it. So it's all in one piece. Do you see that? This meditation in the Word of God is not just sitting around in a chair, you know, with the Bible, you know, like meditating. No. As a matter of fact, in the book of James, for example, it says that if all you ever do is hear and read the Word of God, you're fooling yourself because you haven't really read it at all until you do it. So at some point, the Bible's main concern is not with your reading comprehension, but the fact that you learn to do what it says. So the Bible is less a book for you to master. It is a lighted path to walk in. It is a joyful way of life. And it's not just simply a life of sitting around with your nose in the book. Oh, I'm begging you, put your nose in the book. But then, sooner or later, you're going to have to come off of your knees and go live the Christian life. You have to obey it. And that's the word in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7, 8, 9. And I love that. Be strong and courageous. This is the only way to find success and prosperity in all that you do. This is where you find your strength and your courage. So I'm commanding you, be strong and courageous. I love it. I love the association of the word of God with with warfare and battle. I love that. I love the summons to courage, even as he's called to study. I love that. I love all of that. But the Bible's more than that. It's more than marching orders for battle. Turn over to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119. Psalm is the kind of the middle book in the Bible. And Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. The longest chapter in the Bible, and the longest chapter in the Bible is all about the Bible. Every single line, every verse is something about God's Word, something about the Bible. It's actually beautiful. Look at it. Uh, Psalm 119 is different. You notice it's divided into sections, and every section has a title, and those titles are literally the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. You see it? So the first little section under Psalm 119 verses 1 to 8 is Aleph. That's the Hebrew A. What you should know is this entire longest chapter is one long poem. It's a poem. In Hebrew it's all a poem and all of those verses under Aleph they start with the Hebrew letter A. Like every line starts with A. You see that? And then the next section is, 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 is Beit. It's the Hebrew letter B. Every single line starts with B. So I just want you to see that. Uh, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, uh, all the way through the Hebrew alphabet and the chapter just seems to go on forever. It's all about the word of God. Every single line. Look at verse 14. Psalm 119 verse 14. I have rejoiced in your laws, in your word, As much as in riches. I have rejoiced in your word as much as in riches. Don't y'all like riches? I love riches. I know y'all don't know whether to answer me or not, but I know you like riches. Like, you don't even need that much riches. Like, if I were to give you right now, like, a gift card to Freddy's Hamburgers, you'd be like, "Ah!" I mean, you know, like anything at all. You just love, you know, love riches, like anything. A $5 gift card to Sonic, ah, you know. Um, But like if this were Oprah, like if I were Oprah, and I I was like, look under your seat, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Y'all go nuts. It'd be crazy. I mean, y'all would go absolutely out of your minds. If I were giving out cars today, or what if I said, okay, I'm thinking of a number between 1 and, and 21, and whoever gets it, I'm going to give you a million dollars, and, and Daniel Poppy gets the number at 17, and Daniel gets a million dollars. He'd, he'd rip his shirt off and stand up and like, "Whoa, you know, a millionaire. I mean, riches. We love riches. We all love riches. We all do. And the psalmist says, I love the Word of God like that. Verse 20, I am always overwhelmed with a desire for your word. I'll be honest with you all. I don't know that I can say either one of these things honestly. I want to because I love God's word. And I want to say that I love the Word of God. I want to say I've devoted my life to it. But I don't know if I could say I I rejoice in it like I, I, I do riches. I don't know that I can say I'm always overwhelmed, like all consumed with desire for the Word of God. I don't, I could say that, And convince myself it's true, but my life of reading it would probably tell another story. And my hunch is that's the same thing that would be said of you. I don't know that this kind of love for the Word, I don't know that this kind of overwhelming desire is very common. I don't even know if it's honestly in any one of our hearts in this room. I don't know if this kind of overwhelming desire for the Word of God even is found in this church. I'm not even sure it's found in our nation. This kind of overwhelming desire, let's just be honest, that does not describe us. If this sermon goes more than 35 minutes, you know, some of you are are losing your minds. You get enough really, really quickly. And I understand it. But I'm telling you the fact that that's how we are, that simply suggests that there's something very, very broken. There's something missing in our hearts. In Indonesia, there was a village of people with one Bible. But they learned that there was a Bible distribution happening in another village that was a seven days journey from where they lived. So the men of that village got together and set out. And they walked seven days and nights. They walked to get Bibles. They got 300. (laughs) They got 300 Bibles. They carried them. Came back, they carried 300 Bibles back to their village. Seven day journey. Some of you have a Bible that sits on your nightstand, seven inches from your nose, and you can't be bothered to reach over and pick it up. There is something profoundly missing in our lives. I don't know what those Indonesian believers know about this book, but they know something we don't know. They know something we don't know. In North Korea, there was an evangelist who had in his shirt pocket two tiny New Testaments. Two tiny New Testaments. They were discovered, and he was executed. They killed him for for this book. I know some of you are saying, Pastor Tim, but but it's boring. I've tried to read it; it's boring. And, and I know, I, I know, I know. Some of you had a New Year's resolution, January first, you were going to read the Bible through, and you really—I mean, for the first week, you were on fire. You are tearing it up through Genesis. But, but if it hasn't happened already, on February 2nd, you're going to get to Leviticus. And you're going to fizzle. And you're going to lay it down and you're not going to come back. And, and you're telling me, Pastor Tim, it's just boring. I've, I've tried to read it. It's boring. I tried to read it. I fall asleep. Also in North Korea, there was a grandmother and her granddaughter doing laundry. And there by the riverside, the grandmother's Bible fell out of a bundle of clothes. People saw it. It was reported. And they killed the grandmother and her granddaughter. So the next time You're thinking about saying that the Bible is boring. I would like you to imagine saying it in the face of that grandmother. Just imagine saying it to her face. That the Bible she would die for, you can't be bothered to read. Just say it to her face. These people know something we don't know because they have a passion for this book that we don't have we, we don't have it turn out to the new testament the book of hebrews chapter 4 first timothy second timothy titus philemon hebrews and james hebrews hebrews chapter 4 i, I love this Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 is one of my favorites. This is about the Word of God. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It's, it's alive and powerful, the New Living Translation says. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Okay. This is the answer for the people who say, you know, it's just like a dead book. I try to read it. I don't get anything out of it. You know, I don't understand what the fuss is all about. It's it's just an ancient book. It's a holy book like all the other holy books, and I, I just don't get it. It's a dead book. Okay, that's what some people say. That's what some of you literally think. Whether you'd say it, your life would show that that to you it's just another book, another book in your house that gathers dust. It's another book that you're not going to read, like you're not going to read War and Peace. You're just not going to read it, but this is what you don't understand. It's not a dead book. The Word of God is living and active. It's alive and powerful. So when you read it and you say it's dead, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. The Word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword, which means it'll cut you both ways. It is powerful, it is dangerous, it is flashing with power, it's a lightsaber, you understand? I mean, it's that kind of power, it's the word of God, and it is living and active. So so I understand why some people say, but it's, it's, okay, if it's alive, it's dead to me. Because Paul actually talks about that in the book of 1 Corinthians, when he says that there are people who themselves are spiritually dead. Like there are people that are spiritually dead because if you don't have the Holy Spirit because of Jesus, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, then you're spiritually dead. So that's why when you open the Bible and you read it, it's just like reading anything else because because it's not because the Bible is dead, you are spiritually dead. But when you're a believer, when when you have salvation that comes from Christ and the Holy Spirit that he gives then understand, when you read the Word of God, that spirit in you will resonate with that spirit in the Word, and suddenly it's alive, and it's active, and it's powerful, and it's dangerous. It'll cut you like a sword, like a two-edged sword. It'll light you up like a lightsaber. I mean, you understand, it's dangerous. You think it's not dangerous? I'm telling you, Your sin-sick soul is in jeopardy when you read the Word of God. I'm telling you, it will cut you wide open. Those of us who live a life where we have a lot of secrets, a lot of things we try to hide... Like you got things that you don't tell your wife, you know how to cover your tracks on your uh, iPad, and you know how to make sure your kids never hear the stories of what you used to be. I mean, you live this life with all of these secrets and hidden things, but the word of God is going to cut you wide open. It'll dissect your heart. It will fillet you. That's what it says. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before him. You start reading the word of God, it will cut you open. Nothing hidden. I mean, you think it doesn't speak, and all of a sudden it speaks, and you will know you've been spoken to. It's dangerous, like a sword, like a lightsaber. I, I love it. But, but I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Tim, you're weirding me out now with lightsabers. Um, turn to back to the Old Testament, the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, chapter 2. You know, Everything I've said is, is utterly true. But the people who have loved the Word of God through the centuries have been more likely to say that the, the Bible is a love letter. Yes, it's marching orders for battle. Yes, it is uh, something that you long for, overwhelmed with desire. It's, it's a two-edged sword, but, but it's a love letter. It's God's love letter to you. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 10. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Come away with me. Look, the winter has passed and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come. And the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me. Rise up, my darling, come away with me. It's the loving invitation, of the God who himself delights in your heart. He wants you to come away. What does he want you to come away for? Because because he loves you. Lovers like to be together. Lovers like to be alone. The Lord has things he'd like to say to you. He has um, love that he'd simply like to lavish upon you. love to get you quiet enough, alone enough where you could be with him, that you could understand the sweetness of his presence. He just wants to shower you with sweetness and delight. How can you not want that? For the life of me, I don't understand how that is something that leaves your heart cold. In Isaiah chapter 43, listen to what the word of God says. Now listen To the Lord who created you, the one who formed you, he says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One, your Savior, You are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Do not be afraid for I'm with you. You've been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There has never been, there will never be. Yes, I am the Lord. And there is no other Savior from eternity to eternity. I am God. No one will snatch you out of my hand. Are those not the words that your soul longs to hear? I mean, today, don't you need somebody to say to you, when you go through the fire, I will be with you? I just want somebody to say, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown because you're precious to me. If that leaves your heart cold I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to help you. Come away with me. Come away with me. It's an invitation to this relationship of delight. Why would you resist that? Quickly, I know some of you may be weirded out. Um, let me get real practical for just a few moments, and let's just talk about how to grow in this area of your spiritual life, your Christian life. How do you grow in this relationship of listening? A um, couple of things, and this is very, very basic. Uh, write this down. Uh, step one, and I'm going to start at step one. Some of you may be past step one, but I'm not going to make any assumptions. Step one get yourself a Bible and read it. Get yourself a Bible. Get yourself a Bible. Uh, you think, I think I got one. Uh, I, think, I think when in college, a Gideon, a guy on campus gave me a green one, and I think it's in a box in my attic. Okay, okay either go get it or, or find one that you're going to read, but a box in the attic with a Bible in it isn't doing anything for your spiritual life. You understand? So you, you, you got to get a Bible that you will read. Well, Pastor Tim, I, I went to Walmart to buy a Bible and I saw all these translations. I just gave up and walked out. Which translation should I get? Which one's, which one's right? I don't care which one you get. I don't care at all. I, I'll tell you, I do care. Get the Bible that you'll read. Get the translation that you will read. Some people love the old King James. I happen to love the old King James. I was raised on it. You'll notice in preaching, if I quote a verse... I'll quote it in the King James because that's where my heart learned scripture first. So I I have a lot of King James in my head, but honestly, I don't read King James in the pulpit because it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand. It's beautiful, but it's hard to understand for the same reason that you got a D in literature in high school because you couldn't understand Romeo and Juliet. You, You couldn't read Shakespeare. You don't understand the language. Understand, it's the same 16, you know, 1616, you know, Elizabethan uh, English language. It's the same King James. And so the same reason you can't understand Romeo and Juliet, you don't understand the King James Bible. So the King James Bible is not for you. Get a Bible you can read and a Bible you can understand. There's so many English translations. Get the one that makes sense to you. They're all good. Just get one and read it. I I, I just can't say it enough. For that matter, most all of you have at least access to some sort of device now, a phone or or an iPad. Do you understand that your iPad, your iPhone will both download a Bible app that has every translation on the planet and it's free? You can have any translation in the world, it's already in your hand. You don't even have to make another trip to Walmart. You're welcome. You got it in your hand. Well, Pastor Tim, I used to read, but now my eyes are so bad, I just can't read anymore. I got good news for you. Your iPad will blow up the words this big, mamaw, this big. You can read it. You can have like two letters to a page. I'm not making a joke. It'll blow it up this big. You could read it from Allen County. It's this big. But you got to read it. You still got to read it. Well, Pastor Tim, I don't know if I got time to read. You got time to read, mamaw? You know, you, oh, you got time to play solitaire on the thing. You know, every once in a while after a solitaire game is over, open the Bible app and read something. You got to read it. It doesn't work if you don't read it. Well, Pastor Tim, you need to come to my house and see my Bible. I love my Bible. It's on my coffee table. It was my great grandmother's. And she wrote all of our family members in the family tree in the middle of it. I just love it. I don't care. About your family tree. I mean, it's beautiful that you got a Bible with your family tree in it, but I'm telling you that gigantic 50 pound Bible on your coffee table, you don't read it. So it's not helping you. I mean, put it in a museum, put it in your will and leave it to your grandkids, but get yourself a Bible you will read that you can actually read. I, 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 am I and ugly? I just, I, ugh, I, I just want to make sense. Get yourself a Bible and read it. Like at the end of this service, I'm just just telling you all the truth. At the end of this service, if this Sunday is like most Sundays, one of you is going to leave your phone in the pew. Because somebody does it every week. And whoever does it, they go crazy. I mean, they go crazy. Like they're doing U-turns on 31W coming back into this church. Or if like everybody's gone, they'll call us and say, is somebody going to be there? I left my phone i got to come get my phone, because you know you can't get through a day, a Sunday. Like, you wouldn't even know what to do without your phone. I mean, so like, I mean, Pastor Tim, if you'll stay, if you'll meet me out by the mailbox, you know, and just, I'll come by and get it real fast. i just got to have my phone. See, the thing is, and I don't mean to be ugly, but just so you know, some of you left your Bible here when Jimmy Carter was president. I'm not making a joke. People leave Bibles here all the time, and they never even seem to miss them. Like I don't, I don't know how to understand that. Like, like literally, we have a, a giant shelf of lost Bibles, and I mean, someone got y'all's name in them. I mean, every now and then I will hand one to somebody, go look, <laughs> you know. I understand, you know, well, Pastor Tim, I got other Bibles at home. I, I know you do. I, I know you do. Are, are you reading any of them? I mean, if, if, if you're without your phone, you know you can't get through a day, but you could leave your Bible and not miss it till the next Sunday or the next century. Something missing in your spiritual life. Can I, can I just say that? get yourself a Bible and read it. None of this works if you don't read it. Now, as you read, this is step two. Listen for God's voice. Listen for his voice. As I said, this is a living book and you will find in the Bible this this living presence. There's a presence and there's a voice and and maybe the first day you're you're not going to necessarily begin to discern that, but stay with it stay with it. In the same way that like when you were a kid, if, if, if you got lost, you know, in Walmart, and your mama would say your name from eight aisles over, you'd know her, you know, instantly you'd know her name, you know her, her voice, you know, and that's exactly how it works with the Lord. You knew your mama's voice back then because it was so familiar. And as the Lord's voice gets more familiar, you'll be able to discern it. So, Pastor Tim, how does he speak? Well, honestly, uh, he, I guess the easiest way to explain is, is God kind of speaks into your thoughts, we talk about hearing a voice and it, and it is a personal voice, but, but mostly it's, it's in my thoughts. And, and one of the, your first you know, real uh, important means of growth is to learn how to discern the difference between just your thoughts and, and what God is saying, but, but stay with it. Stay with it. Meditate day and night. Let let your thoughts, let your heart just sort of sort of sit with the Lord for a while, and you'll begin to know His voice. Listen for His voice when you're reading the Word of God. Just slow down and think. Again, it's not about you know reading your five verses today, so you can say you read your five verses and close the book and say you read it. It's not what we're doing. No, you you want to allow God to speak. So slow down. If you just read a couple of verses, just take a couple of verses and slow down and think. Meditate, which means just turn it over, turn the words over in your in your mind, and, and and look closely at what's being said, and and pay attention. If there is any kind of instruction to follow, there you go. That's God speaking. Now you know what to do. You're going to follow that instruction. It's it's that simple. You just pay attention, look for a command to obey, and when the Bible says something, then you do that. This is the Christian life. This is the normal Christian life. You just read the Bible and you pay attention. Look for an example to follow. And then you begin to imitate the examples that you find in in the Word of God. It's just how all of this works. It's a light for your path. And so if you do it in the morning or you read it in the afternoon, however that works for you, you you read it in such a way where you're transformed by it. It changes the way you walk. It changes the way you talk. It changes everything about your life. you got to stick with it. you got to listen for His voice. Next. Step three, once you begin to read, now begin to make that a daily habit, a devotional habit of being alone with God. Now, I don't know how this will work for you, but it needs to be a habit. It really, really does. Now, some people are morning people. And I've heard preachers say, it, you know, the Word of God needs to be the most important thing in your life. It needs to be more important than breakfast, more important than your job. So you just get up and start reading. Well, it, it may work for you, Chuck, and it works for my wife. My wife is a first thing in the morning person. I mean, when her alarm goes off, her feet are on the floor, and then she is in her chair with the Bible, and I love it, but that didn't work for me. My brain doesn't just, you know, open up that quick. If I get out of bed and sit in the chair, I'm back asleep. So morning's not my time. I'm more of a night person. I've always been more of a night owl. See, my wife pops up early, but she can't make it through a really good episode of Wheel of Fortune. I mean, she's asleep for the night. She's out. But I'm up. You know, I'm awake. So in many, many seasons of of our life at home, you know, I have had my devotional time after everybody else in the house went to bed because I'm still up. But I'm very alert then. And I can read for days. I mean, I can read for days at night like that. I don't fall asleep. It's just my time. Figure yourself out. Do what works for you. If mornings don't work for you, then then do it at night. Do it at lunch. Just find a way. If this is a priority, if you love it like you love riches, then I think it'll be valuable for you to make it a habit. Just make it a habit of getting alone with the Lord. He says, come away with me, come away. So make it a daily habit to just come away and be alone with him. Spend some time. How much time? I don't know. Time. More than a few minutes? Probably not an hour? I don't know. How much time do you have? Just make sure you've heard his voice. Enough time for you to settle down, to slow down and think. Enough time for him to speak Enough time for you to tell him that you love him. Enough time that you delight in it. Because anything you delight in, you have to tear yourself away, you know? You, you could stay there all day. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. It's from an old hymn. The idea that, wow, when you love somebody and you're alone with them, you could stay there forever have to tear yourself away. One more thing and I'll be done. Uh, periodically, I'm serious, y'all, and y'all are gonna think I'm not. Periodically, get away to a special place for an extended time. Like every now and then, like this is more than just your daily Bible reading. Every now and then, set aside part of a day. Like more, like, like set some time aside and go spend some real time to be alone with God and go away for it. I mean, find a place. It's all, Pastor Tim, where you expect me to go? I don't care where you go, you know? I'm not, I'm not talking about Paris, France, or nothing. I mean, go where you can go. Um, and right now, I'm, I'm going to talk directly to somebody, all right? You know where I think you should go, dude? Your deer stand. Like, go to your deer stand. Y'all know about deer stands? Yes. They're awesome. Aren't they awesome? Yeah, you have a deer stand, Casey? Been up one. I've never, been up one. never been up in one? Oh man, you need a deer stand. Absolutely, deer stands are amazing. God, I don't even hunt. Like I, I and I wouldn't. Like I, I wouldn't. Like if I shot a deer, I'd, I'd feel so bad. You know, I'd be crying. <laughs> I have to. I'd preach its funeral. You know, <laughs> and then it would. You know, never, never be able to eat it. But I know some of you do. But but Matt Betts left two deer stands in my woods when he moved to Florida. Jackpot so I got two deer stands in my woods I don't even hunt but you know I like to go sit in them they're holy places you know up in the trees like above everything up there with the birds with the sky with the Lord I'm just saying you can do this your soul craves this get away Go to the shop in your barn or or wherever it is that you could go. Find a bench at Kiriakis Park or wherever it is that's quiet and, and you feel like you could just find the Lord there and, and and do this. You need this. Maybe this is something you could do right now to sort of jumpstart this new season in your spiritual life. Just decide that you're going to spend a whole hour. That you're going to go to work before anybody else gets there and sit at your desk and just be alone with God. Whatever, whenever, just Make it a priority. Because in this great love letter, the Lord says to you, come away. Come away with me. I say that it is a relationship of listening that has to do with delight. And I really do mean you will learn to love, delight in His presence, but long before you learn to delight in Him, He already delights in you. He wants to bring you away just so he can whisper into your heart, tell you the things that your soul needs to hear, just remind you that you'll never be alone, that you're precious to him. Do you understand? In your life of discipleship, this this private personal relationship with Christ is everything. It's the central nerve. It's the main artery. And literally, everything important in your life flows out of this. It flows out of your relationship, your intimacy with Christ. Everything important in your life flows out of this. Let's pray together. Pray with me. Lord God, um, forgive us When we pause even for a moment and just remember how much you love us, how you've always loved us, every moment of our lives, every tear that's ever dropped from our face, Lord, you caught it. You've never, Lord, not known our hearts, our fears, our guilt. Lord, always you're there and always you're calling us to just come away, to notice that you're there, to respond to your spirit, to listen to the word that comes from your mouth, the word that cuts, the word that heals, the word that brings us the strength and the courage, the sweetness that our soul craves, Lord, you and you alone are the source of these things. And everything important in our life, it it comes, Lord, from, from this, Lord, this ability to speak to you, to listen for your voice, to know that we'll never be in any place where you're not with us. So, Lord, help us to come away every day, every moment of every day, continually to listen for your word, in the word, in prayer, in all the ways that you would speak, Lord. We just need to hear the words that you would whisper into our hearts. Forgive us for being so busy, so stubborn, so ignorant, so hard-hearted. Help us, Lord, to listen and to love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who loved us first. Amen.